Hey there, this is RCCG The Oasis, and you're listening to Oasis On The Go. The Oasis is a house of refreshment for a generation hungry and thirsty for the presence, power, and the love of God. Now, let's get into today's sermon. All right, uh, we've been looking at hearing from God, and we're going to continue in that regard this morning. It's been a very, very interesting um, series where we have been looking at um, something very important in our walk with God. For any human being, hearing is very important, very, very instrumental. How you hear and what you hear determines how you live, determines how your life will evolve. Um, and like Pastor said during the first part of the series, that it's very important in your relationship with God to understand that our God is a God that speaks. So God is a living thing. If you read through scriptures, you would always see that distinction between God and idols. Especially if you read the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you see God repeatedly say through them that he speaks. You see them say that um, the idols have ears, but they cannot hear. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. But our God is a speaking God because he's alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The proof, one of the major proofs of God's existence is the fact that he speaks. He speaks. He has not left himself without a witness and he has not left himself without utterance. And that's very, very important and instrumental in our faith. And we've been looking at the various channels. After that first topic where there was the introduction, we've been looking at the various channels through which God speaks through his word, through dreams, through circumstances and nature, which is a very, very critical and foundational way by which God speaks to us. In fact, it is the fulcrum of our faith. It is the foundation of our faith because Hebrews teaches us that he that cometh unto God must believe that what? He is and that what? Say the word of them that diligently seek him. So he that cometh unto God must believe that he is. And then when you read Romans chapter 1, we've been looking at the book of Romans, and that's something we've dwelt on elaborately. I still remember the Wednesday um, service we had when Pastor Peter dwelt on um, Romans talking about the fact that through the things that God has created, we know that he exists. Remember the story he shared about the atheists um, who said that God does not exist. And then you ask them the question, where did all of humanity come from? Where did the universe come from? And then they tell you that it came from a blast. But where did the blast itself come from? What made that blast happen? So the very fact that you can see the sun, you can see the moon, you can see the stars, remind you about the fact that God exists. They teach you and remind you that God exists because those who look away from these things, they are those who are no longer thankful, right? They no longer hold the knowledge of God's existence as truth. And that's a problem. So we looked at that last week. And just in that same theme of hearing from God, today we are going to be looking at just going back, just a, like a, a refresher um, on what Pastor taught us the, from the first day. Look, you know, remember we had the example of the antenna, right? We're taught that God speaks, and just the way you have signals in the air, you have um, television signals in the air, you have radio signals in the air, you need an antenna to be able to receive what has been spoken decode what has been spoken 
and transmit it to you in a way that you can understand. So it will receive it, it will decode it, it will transmit it to you or convey it to you in a way that you understand. Your every mobile device, every digital device, your phone has an antenna. It's the antenna that makes it possible that when someone calls you, you're able to hear. It has received what has been spoken. It decodes it in a language from in a language that the device can understand, and then it transmits it to a language that a human being can understand. Because as human beings, we cannot hear and decode radio frequency. Right? But your device does that for you. As it is in the physical, that's the same way it also exists in the spiritual. We need to be able to receive what God has said, decode it, and understand it in our spirit man. God, is, God lives in us, the spirit of God dwells in us, but the fact that the spirit of God dwells in you is not enough. Your spirit man must be able to receive from God's spirit what God is saying to you, and your mind must be able to process it and convey it to you in human language. Now, so... We're going to be looking at just the need. The topic is hearing from God, fine-tuning our antenna to hear from God. Fine-tuning our antenna to hear from God. Um, faith is an, is an accessory. Just like many other things are accessories, like we'll look at today, in our fine-tuning our antenna to hear from God. And this is very important because when you look through scriptures, you will see that hearing from God is not just enough. The quality of how you receive and hear from God will determine how you will run with that message. And I want us to quickly begin to look at um, scriptures that emphasize this. I want us to turn to the book of Acts. I want us to turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. I'll be reading from verse 7. Okay, before we read, um, go to the book of Acts, let's, uh, before we go to verse chapter 21, let's look at chapter 10 first, please. Acts chapter 10. From verse 9. Acts chapter 10 from verse 9. We're going to be seeing about the need to hear from God and properly hear from God. Why, why it is not enough to just have spiritual ears. Why when we say hearing from God, we are not just talking about your ability to hear to hear something. You know, even Jesus Christ talked about hearing, and we'll look at that very briefly. Acts chapter 10 from verse 9. Can someone read for us, please? From verse 9. 9 to 23. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet neat at the four corners and let down to the earth. Okay. Hallelujah. Sorry, just to interrupt you. Remember that when we're talking about hearing from God, Pastor Incon taught us about the role of dreams and visions in hearing from God, right? Right? We remember that, right? So this was Peter in a trance, having a vision and a revelation from God. So please, let's continue. 
wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the earth. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God had cleansed, what God had cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Verse 17, please. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought in the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. All right, let's stop there. So in this scripture, right, you see that the Spirit of God spoke unto Peter. But before the Spirit of God spoke to Peter, Peter had had a trance, he had had a vision, Right? Um, where he contended with the will of God. So he had the trance, he had the vision. He couldn't fathom while he as a Jew was hearing. He clearly knew it was the Lord, right? Because if he did not know it was God, he would have reacted that way. He knew it was the Lord. He said, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean or uncommon. So imagine that Jesus visits you in a revelation. And that, that was how strong-headed Peter was. He had a revelation and God was trying to speak to him. And he, con- he tried to contest. But he, when the Holy Spirit spoke to him and gave him an instruction following from that revelation, he acted on that instruction. Now let's go to the book of um, Acts. Still in Acts, Acts chapter 21. We've seen the example of Peter. We're going to go to Acts chapter 21 from verse 7 to 14. Acts chapter 21. So in, in chapter 9, we see a vision. We see the clear word of the Holy Ghost. And when we had finished our course from Tyre, We came to Ptolemais and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Faye. Now, before we go to the third example, I want us to understand the scriptures that we have read. Remember that when Jesus Christ was on earth, he made it clear to his disciples, that he came not only for the salvation of Israel. We remember that, right? Remember that, right? And when he died and was buried and resurrected and he had time with his disciples in Acts chapter 1, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you 
and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. And, and what did he end it with? And unto the uttermost part of the earth. So Jesus had laid the foundation with the disciples that the gospel which he had come to die for and to bring was not only for the Jews. It was also for the Gentiles. But the Gentiles had been raised in a particular way, the Jews, sorry, had been raised in a particular way where they, they believed that every non-Jew was a Gentile and was on their way to hell and that God will have nothing to do with Gentiles. Now, this was what Jesus Christ came to address and he spent three and a half years with his disciples in the hope that when the time came, as the disciples began to disperse, you know, many times when you read the scripture, one of the advantages of the persecution which the children of Israel experienced, which the early church experienced in Jerusalem, was that they were all spread abroad. I remember the scripture says that they that were scattered abroad did what? Did what? They went everywhere doing what? Preaching the gospel. So they that were scattered abroad, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. But at that time, they were targeting the gospel only at their various Jews. Only at those who were converts, who were already Jews, those were the people they were preaching to. They were not focusing on the Gentiles. But God had another plan. Had another plan entirely for the, for the Jews and for the world. He wanted to reach out to the Gentiles. And he wanted to bring that gospel through Peter. And then Peter had this en encounter. But Peter struggled with it, like you will see in that revelation. And as you would see when Peter, later on, we don't have time to read, but we are familiar with the story. When Peter acted upon the instruction, he went to Cornelius' house. He brought the gospel to Cornelius' house. The, God, the Holy Spirit fell upon them in Cornelius' house. There was, there, there was salvation. There was joy in their midst. The Jews immediately summoned him. Now, why would you, Peter, a Jew, bring the gospel to the non-Jews? And then Peter had to explain to them. So you see where the vision and the revelation came from. He had to explain to them the trance he fell into, the experience he had, and the instruction he had from the Holy Ghost, and the proof of that gospel. The fact that when he went there, it was not just that he preached, but that the Holy Ghost came upon them. And the coming of the Holy Ghost was the confirmation of the fact that the gospel had been sent not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. But that was not enough, because... These encounters did not spur Peter and the early apostles enough to be able to push them to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And then God had another plan. And then he took another Jew who was an extremist this time around, who did not believe in Jesus, appeared to him on his way to Damascus, that's Paul, and then said I was he was going to use him for the gospel. Now let's look at the message that Jesus Christ gave to Ananias when he appeared. Acts chapter 9, please. At Saul's conversion, let's look at the message that Paul that was given concerning Paul. Acts chapter 9. Jesus appears to Ananias from verse. Okay, let's read from verse 13, please. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Go, this man is a chosen instrument to proclaim my name, right, to the Gentiles and their kings, and to the people of Israel. 
I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, let me mention this as an aside. It's not um, part of um, what I'd written. But if you notice from the example of Peter and from the example of Ananias, hearing from God is not a one-way communication. Did you observe that? Hearing from God is not a one-way communication. Neither does God expect that when he speaks to you, you will just stand up and run with the message every time. Hearing from God doesn't mean that you always have instant understanding or instant obedience. It means that sometimes you will not understand what God has said. But what does that mean? You will go back to him to ask questions. Peter could have heard and had the revelation and then decided to move on. He didn't need to act on the revelation. After all, if you remember Jonah, Jonah had a revelation from God, go and preach to a certain people. And because he hated them for whatever reason, he went the opposite direction. Now, God had to appear, had to deal with Jonah and take him through a series of experiences. There was a swallowing between the fish and Jonah. And when they came out and they found themselves, Jonah realized and then he went to preach a message of destruction. 40 days and 40 nights, Nineveh will be destroyed. That was not necessarily the message God sent him. But the people repented. Now, hearing from God is communication. And I know that in our days, it's very easy to read the scripture and say, but, oh, Jesus appeared to this person. Anything you read the scripture and see that Jesus Christ did, the Holy Ghost in you can do the same. When you, whatever level of communication that you see that God had with the person in the Old Testament or that Jesus Christ had with the disciples in the New Testament or that he had with the disciples after he had ascended. The Holy Spirit can have that same level of communication with you. Every time you come out and you hear that Jesus speaking and you hear him talking about the fact that, oh, God, sometimes I'm like, this is so sorry. You know, for some of us, when you hear God, maybe you hear one word, or you hear a phrase, or you hear a scripture, and then you hear that Jesus talking as if he has a personal communication with God where God says something, he says, I don't understand this one. Are you sure I should do it? And God is explaining to him, this is why you have to do it. That is what friendship entails. It goes beyond just being a servant to being a friend, to be able to say, this one you have said, are you sure? And then God gives you proof. Of course, not are you sure from a place of rebellion. Not are you sure from a place of doubt. But are you sure from a place of, I am a human being, I don't understand this one in my human weakness. Explain to me. And you see that repeatedly in scripture. You see that with, with Peter. The Holy Spirit has showed him a revelation. He had contended with God in that revelation. But the Holy Spirit still came and gave him an instruction which he acted on. You see that with Ananias. The Holy Spirit, Jesus appears to Ananias and says, go and meet this man. Ananias says, that one, he's a terrorist. He's a terrorist. I, can't, I won't have anything to do with him. But Jesus did not get offended. He had a conversation with him. This is why I want you to. This is the plan that I have for him. Now, in that plan, Jesus had made it clear that he had called forth Paul to bring and proclaim his name to the Gentiles, to their king, and to the people of Israel. So Paul was chosen to proclaim the name of Jesus to the Gentiles. Now, we've seen the example of Peter, who was called, first of all, to go and preach to the Gentiles. And the attitude... The attitude of not just Peter, of the early church into that message. And then we saw God's backup plan in bringing Paul to go and proclaim that message. And did Paul run with the message? Oh, he did. He ran with the message so brutally, so much so that when someone had a revelation and a prophecy, 
about evil that was to befall him. Now, this is where I was going to. It did not deter him from still going on on his mission. It didn't deter him from going on on his mission. You know, I think it was last week when pastor was preaching and talking about when God, how God speaks through circumstances, when you are praying to God and there's an opposition on something that you are trusting God for, the example of Balaam and the donkey. And then you know that this is the hand of God trying to prevent you from something. Right? There are instances where it will look like there is danger ahead. You know by prophecy that there is some form of danger ahead. Particularly, emphasis on persecution. Not necessarily danger of sickness. If someone calls you to say, oh, I had a revelation concerning you, that you had, a, you had sickness, it's not sickness. Sickness is not, it's not permissible in the life of a believer. The, the suffering that we are permitted, that permitted in the life of the believer is the suffering of Christ, of which persecution is the chief of those sufferings. So when you have a revelation, oh, there's persecution along your way, you will do this, but you will face opposition. It doesn't necessarily mean that God is not in it. For Paul, it was a reminder of his mission and the message that he had been sent to do. So much so that when they told him that, I see that you will be bound, you are going to prison, he wasn't deterred. He wasn't deterred. He wasn't moved. He said, I will go. I'm not only ready to go, but also to die for the sake of the gospel of Christ Jesus. That was a man that had understanding. If it was, if it was me, for example, that had that word, the prophecy was validation of why I should stop what I'm doing. Because after all, God has spoken. The people were begging him that he should not go. But he knew that he had to. You know why? Because Christ Jesus had told Paul that he was going to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And he was going to bring the gospel to their kings. So the suffering, he knew that suffering was the way through which he would bring the gospel to the, to the kings. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the same, the same thing. He was preaching to the people, preaching to the poor, preaching to the people on the street. The only way he could bring the gospel to Pilate and bring the gospel to Herod was through his arrest. So when Paul was saying that, oh, um, I've, I've counted everything as dung, that I might know him, I might know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, he was aligning himself with his destiny as it was with Christ. Because that was the same route that Jesus had taken towards bringing the gospel to Pontius Pilate, towards bringing the gospel to Herod, towards standing before them to proclaim the true gospel. And Paul had this understanding. So when opposition, when revelation came, it was not that the revelation was false. Agabus was a true prophet, right? But because Paul had good understanding, he was able to properly interpret the prophecy that he had received and acted upon it. And did he do a good job? Paul, now when you read the book of Philippians, Paul took the gospel to the house of Caesar. <laughs> they arrested him, and by the time he's writing a letter to the people in Philippi, he's saying, the brethren that are in Caesar's household, they are greeting you. Because he had, he had started preaching, they arrested him, he had started preaching to the family members of the king. That was a man that had understanding. Now, this is why it is very critical and important that in our hearing from God, certain things must be at the foundation to be able to assist us in hearing, in decoding the message, and in properly acting on the message. If not, you may hear, but hearing is not enough. Even Jesus Christ, I want us to look at John chapter, 1 John chapter 1. So, so that you understand that when pastor has been preaching about hearing from God, it's not just an issue of hearing with your physical ears, or hearing with your spiritual ears. The hearing that is emphasized on is the hearing that goes all the way through 
Not just to hear and say, oh, I had a dream about something. Have you ever had, let me ask a question. Have you ever had a dream about something negative happening and the thing still happened? Have you? Have you? You've had that experience, right? Was it that God did not speak? Was it that God did not speak? He spoke. Many times it was an issue of our inability to be able to process what God had said. It was our inability to be able to take what God had said and have proper understanding on it and know how to act on it. Jesus Christ was on earth for three and a half years and he kept warning the children of Israel that destruction is coming. They are going to attack your land. They are going to ruin your land. You people are going to die. He kept speaking. He came to Jerusalem and he began to weep. He began to weep. He kept speaking. Everything he spoke came to pass. Was it that the people did not hear? So you need to understand that we're not talking about hearing with your physical ears. Or even just ending it at the level of hearing with your spiritual ears. First John chapter 1 verse 1. First John chapter 1 verse 1. Oh, yeah, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. So take we, note, the first one is what? Which we have heard. Which we have heard. But is hearing enough? No. Look at what he said next. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the, of the word, word of, of life. So, so it was not enough to just hear. The people who truly hear, how you will know that the man has heard from God, you will see the result. Right? You will see. What was the distinction? God told them in the law that how will you distinguish a false prophet from a true prophet? What was the test? The result. He said, oh, if a man comes to you and tells you calamity will befall you and calamity does not happen, is he a true prophet? No. So the proof of hearing is in the result in itself. It's not enough to say, you know when Pastor talks about, when PN talks about the fact that it's not enough to hear a word and come and testify that, oh, you had a prophetic word. It's not enough. The proof of the hearing is in the result. When you see a child, you don't need to ask the, the child whether, he's, whether he came from a father and mother. The child did not drop from the sky. You know that there was a result. There was something that happened that produced that child. Right? There was seed that was better that produced that child. It's the same thing with the word of God. The proof of hearing is the result. The proof of hearing is in the result. Let's look at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 verse 18. Luke chapter 8 verse 18. It's very important that we understand that it's not enough to just say, Oh, I have dreams. God speaks to me through dreams. I, understand. I have the winner witness. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 8 verse 18. Take, Take it therefore, therefore how For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Can you, can you imagine? So for some people, hearing is even a problem. Because when they hear, it means that things will be taken away from them. You know, Jesus Christ shared in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus Christ shared the story of the parable of the sower, right? Some fell by the roadside, the wayside. Some fell among tongues. Some fell on stony ground. The one that fell by the wayside, what happened? What happened? Birds came and took it up. So, so many times, that's the, that's the, um, the, word, the, the challenge, if I'm, if I'm in quotes, with the word of God. The word of God is exciting, but sometimes the word of God not properly acted upon can be problematic for you. Because it would have been better for Saul if he was in his house and minding his business and taking care of his father's animals all his life than that he became a king whose destiny was to destroy the Amalekites and then he failed in the instruction that he was given and he died a sorrowful death. So 
If we don't see here properly, it's not just that many times we can't fulfill what we have been told to do. It is that there could even be consequences because the hearing could become a problem for you. And that's why Jesus Christ said that we must take heed how we hear because, of course, the one who hears more, your standard of judgment is going to be more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I want us to look at another example of somebody who heard and how he acted upon the, on what he had heard. Genesis, the man we call our father of faith. Genesis chapter 22. Hearing from God is very critical. And, and the reason why our antenna must be properly fine-tuned is because our ability to receive properly and, and act properly on what we have heard will many times determine what God will give unto us. It will determine the kind of assignments that God will give unto us. It will determine the kind of errands that God will send us on. If you read, okay, let's we'll read the scripture and then we'll understand certain things. Genesis chapter 22 from verse 1. And it came to pass after one to these 19. things. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and, arose up, and rose up, and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Thank so Abraham... Let's stop there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Now, one of the commands that God gave man in Scripture was that we should not swear, right? The Scripture says that we should not swear, right? Jesus Christ said it, that we should not swear, neither by earth, neither by heaven, or anything. We shouldn't swear. But if you read this Scripture, you will see that God himself, God was so impressed with Abraham. Like, you know, if you have ever been a teacher and you have that outstanding student, you know, there are some students who finish answering a question and then you're asking yourself, even me as a teacher, I don't know if, if I was in the shoes, would I have known this answer like this? God was so impressed with Abraham's response to the instruction that he had to swear by himself. Hebrews tells us that by two immutable things by which it is impossible for God to lie. So it was, it was fine enough that God has given, when God gives you his word forever, O oh Lord, that word is settled in heaven. It's enough, right? It was fine. When God gives you his word, you can go, to, you can go and sleep. You, you can bank on it. You can, proper, proper bank or not Nigerian banks, you can go to a good bank with it. You can go to a good bank with it and you are good and you will cash out. But it was not enough that God gave him a word. God had to swear on top. More like, ah, you do this one, who He swore by himself. And the scripture says, by two immutable things by which it is impossible for God to lie. Him by himself and by his word. What was the reason? Because Abraham undertook one of the most delicate errands that had ever been given to any man on earth. He waited for 25 years, for more than 25 years. We know of, we count 25 years because that was the moment at which God called him, right? When he was 75. He waited for 25 years for the fulfillment of a promise. Why you are waiting for the fulfillment of the promise? You are waiting for the Champions League. You won FA Cup in the middle of it. You had Ishmael. And you told God, you told your, your manager, I say, it's enough now. At least we have FA Cup. Some people are laughing. Arsenal fans. They didn't even get the FA. They've driven them from FA. You won FA Cup in the midst of it and you are like, at least let's manage. Right? You hear Guadola saying that, no, there is not enough. They must win Champions League. And even the Champions League is not enough for him. It was enough that he had Ishmael. But God said, no, that's not, that was not the plan. I have something better. And then Isaac, he waited and waited and Isaac came. And then Isaac comes and Isaac is growing. And the family is happy. And he's a special child. He's being pampered. They put two servants there, him, one by his right, one by his left, to watch him. Every time he's sleeping, check him every one hour to be sure he's still awake. He's still alive. Don't let anything touch this child. Not, Abraham was so, Isaac was so pampered that when he wanted to get married, his father had to send somebody to go and marry for him. That, that was how serious it was. That was how serious. Esau went and took a wife for himself. Jacob went and took two wives for himself and ended up, ended up with four. Right? Isaac, his father sent his servant, go and bring a wife for my son. That was how pampered Isaac was. And then God comes. The same God that told you that this is your child. In Isaac shall your seed be called. Will all your generation be excited? You bless the whole world. Go and kill that child. He wasn't adding up. You know, banners. Say you, they weren't mini. He didn't add up. Now, this is why hearing is very critical. This is why um, you hear that two people got into... You've, have you ever seen a, a situation where two people get into a relationship because God said, and it doesn't work out? Have you seen it? Many times it's... It's not because God did not say. Don't ever get it wrong. It's not because God did not say. It's because the hearing from God process is a continuous process. 
For Abraham, it was not enough that God just said, go and kill your son. There was instruction of where he went to kill the son. If Abraham had looked for another mountain, aside Moriah, to attempt to kill Isaac, he would kill him, he would slaughter him. God would say, I did not send you. God would say, I didn't send you. He had specific instruction as to what to do, as to when to do it. And he acted immediately. Now on the way, he had to send back his servant. It was a, you, you. It's, it's a nice errand for you. It was not an errand for you and a group of people. Take Isaac, your son. He told the servants, wait, I'm going. And then he went on the mountain. Now, while he was about to commit the activity, he still needed to be sensitive enough to hear from God when God said no. When God called his name. Now, that is why the hearing from God process is a process. It's not a, oh, I heard I from God concerning... We've all probably been there where you have a dream or a revelation concerning something and then it looks like it's about to happen and it doesn't happen. Have you experienced that before? You are so sure you heard from God about something and then you, you started acting up in it and then it looks like it's about to happen and then something doesn't, ha it doesn't happen. Most times, if not all times, it's usually the fault of I started hearing and I didn't continue. David, David was on his own minding, his business, killing lions, Killing animals, that would have earned him good money. Because he, he was a strong man, he was talented, he was gifted. He had everything working for him, even though he was from a humble background. And from a tribe that was like the smallest tribe of Israel. A non-popular tribe in Israel. It was from, it was from Bethlehem, a, a city rather, that was not popular. And then he did all these things. And then God said, you're going to be king. Now, God called David that he was going to be king. But did David not face experiences that would have killed his life? Did he? Yeah. Now, in the midst of those experiences, if he did not act on further words from God, he would have died. And he would be like, but God said he was going to be king. Yeah, God said it. But the hearing from God is an, it's a process, an experience, a relationship. God is not a babalawo that you go to consult once every year. And then babalawo tells you what to do. No, it's a relationship where when you get an instruction and begin to act on it, you need to be able to wait for further instruction. Remember when P.O. was preaching and talking about dreams and visions, about how sometimes we run off with half vision, half word, thinking you have heard from God, and then you're asking yourself, what happened? It was because you probably ran away with half revelation. And like we usually say in Christian parlance, that half revelation is sometimes worse than wrong doctrine. Are you aware? Are you aware? Yeah. Half revelation is sometimes worse than, than wrong doctrine. Because it's better you didn't start. It's more frustrating. And that's why we must be very, 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 very sensitive enough to follow the process through. And just this morning, just, we're going to just look at a few things that would help us in our hearing process to make sure that we are, like I said at the beginning of the service, to make sure that we are able to properly receive to make sure that we are able to properly decode and we understand and act on it with proper human understanding. Now, we're going to look at four things very briefly. I'll just touch on them in a few minutes, few minutes each. Faith, the role of faith in fine-tuning our antenna, the role of understanding, the role of meekness, and the role of peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Hebrews chapter 1 teaches us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, when God speaks to a person or when God wants to speak to a person, many times 
God will speak to you either at the level of your faith or to increase your level of faith. And you see that throughout scriptures. When God speaks to a man, he's either speaking to them about something they can already do or something that they cannot do which he wants them to do. Hallelujah. 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 When Jesus Christ was born and then he, was, he lived up to 30 and he was called and he was living his life, he has started to heal people. There's an extent to which you get to in your walk. You know, faith is like a muzzle. And the more, as you build it and as you train yourself, in, you know, the body has different kinds of muzzles. Right? There are muscles on your arms. You have your abs. Right? Um, you have your thighs. You have your, le- um, your legs. You have different parts of your body where you can grow muscle. It's the same thing with our spiritual work. You might have faith for healing. You might have faith for a, ra- a wonderful, righteous, and holy work. You have learned over time how to avoid sin. You know, the usual besetting sins. You've learned over time. You've built your muscles for dealing with sin. But does it mean that you have built your muscle for prosperity? It doesn't mean that you have built your muscle for healing. You need to be able to take the particular exercise. Now, the same exercise that we build your arms. It's not the same exercise that we probably build your thighs. Is it? They'll tell you that there are different kinds of exercises. So you must be able to know what to do to build your faith in a particular area. Now, when you have built your faith in a particular area, God may give you instruction in that area so you have learned how to heal people over time. As if, as a, of course, you're not the one doing the healing. It's the Holy Spirit that is doing it. But you've learned how to partner with the Holy Spirit for healing. You are used to healing people. The Holy Spirit, um, you, the anointing flows through you. You lay your hands on the sick and they are healed. You may go to a particular place and the Holy Spirit says, Lay your hands on this person because the Holy Spirit wants that person to be healed particularly. In that instance, you are being given an instruction in an area where your faith is already developed. We understand that, right? Now, it may also be that all your life, you have been healing people. And then, on a particular day, somebody dies in your neighborhood. You have never raised somebody from the dead. And then the Holy Spirit says, like it was the case with, um, interestingly, I, um, Pastor um, um, Agishabi Daosa, right? And the testimony is sitting with us today. One of those testimonies is sitting in church here today. When um, somebody, a, a baby who was, a mommy here was, I think, died, was that age five? Age two, right? And, Ag- and Agbishop brought her back to life. It's a, it's, a living, it's a living testimony, living proof of God's word. Now, before that, it may be that he had only been healing people. And then a specific instruction came for something he has never done before. When God gives you that instruction, he wants you to exercise faith in an area that you are not used to. Now, we must always be ready to understand that is God asking me to do something I'm already, I've already exercised my faith to do? Or is God asking me to do something I'm not used to doing before? And then know how to apply obedience accordingly. Usually the place where we struggle is in the area where we are not used to doing it before. Where it goes against our usual norms. Right? You want to go to a particular school. The school makes all the sense to you. You are a very rational and logical person. Before you do something, you want to think it through. You have thought it through. This school makes sense. Everything adds up. 
and then the Holy Spirit is directing your attention somewhere else. In that instance, you need to be able to know how do I build my faith up to be able to receive what God is saying? How do I open myself up? And which is something we've talked about during the course of this series of hearing from God. One of the things that inhibit faith, right, is when we have predisposed mindset. It's not wrong to have an opinion with God. Please, let's take note of that. It's not wrong to have an opinion before God. But when that opinion becomes a stronghold in your mind, then that stronghold becomes an idol. And if it's not properly dealt with, that idol will prevent your ability to hear from God, or when you hear from God, it would prevent your ability to be able to act on what God has said. You must marry somebody from a particular tribe, which was the example that Pastor used, used that day when we were talking about um, Brother God's will and Sister God's time. Brother God's will and Sister God's time. You have, you have a preconceived mindset concerning marriage, and this is the direction you want to go. You don't even need to overactivate your faith. You don't even need, because for you, and, and, and the truth is, as much as we talk about faith a lot, there are many natural decisions, even for us as Christians, that you don't need faith for. Right? Of course, we live by faith, and we, we, the faith you only need in our instance is the faith of thanksgiving, expressing your faith through thanksgiving. But you don't need to pray to ask God for direction on the food, to, on how to eat your food, on how to eat eba and, and swallow. You don't need a prophetic instruction to do that. You don't need a rema to do that. You already, have, you already have natural understanding about that. And all you need to do is give thanks for what you have received. But there are times when you are giving an instruction in a direction you are not used to. If we are not people of faith, if we are not people who have learned to walk with God, if care is not taken, we may end up shipwrecking ourselves. And it will not, because, it will not be because God gave us an instruction that was bigger than us. Because God will usually give you things to do that are way above you. But he expects you to, in faith, rely on him, trust him, and walk with him to be able to fulfill it. So faith is very, very instrumental in our work. And that, and that was what happened with, that was what happened with, with um, Abraham when God gave him the instruction. Now, Abraham could obey the instruction to kill because he had seen God make a life. When you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, I wish we had time. We don't have time to read it. You would see that Abraham did not just wake up, leave his house, and start going to kill Isaac. No. There was a reasoning process. I like the way A.W. Toza put it in, in pursuit of God. He stayed up all through the night. And he was gazing in the skies. And he was wondering what kind of instruction this was. But after wondering, he remembered that this God who gave me this child, if I kill this child, he's able to bring him back to life. Have you seen that in scripture? That was the understanding with which Abraham went, went, on, went to Moriah. He had an understanding that if I kill this child, God is able to bring him back to life. It did not happen with Isaac, but it happened with Jesus. And that was why Abraham was, we call Abraham the father of faith, because everything that happened, with Jesus, we saw it play out with Abraham. Abraham had that, and that's the second aspect of, of fine-tuning our faith, the role of understanding. It's not enough to just say, I believe. You need to back up your belief with understanding. Yeah. To be able to hear from God, to be able to understand what he's saying, and to be able to act on what he's saying, 
You need to go beyond just saying merely I believe. You need to begin to look for knowledge and understanding in the direction that God is calling you to. Abraham had that understanding that this God that gave me this child after how many years, when my body was dead, when Sarah's body was dead, this God that gave me Isaac is able to also raise Isaac up when I kill him. That was understanding. So we must have faith. We must have understanding. Because the truth is, many times, God will speak to you, not by the things you are used to. I want us to quickly read um, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Hallelujah. I have made you a father of... And if you read the next verse, please just help us with that next verse. It says, who against hope believed in hope, that, that he might, might become, become the, the father, father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. This faith was underpinned by understanding. It was underpinned by understanding of who he was dealing with. Faith is not abstract. That's why scripture says, he that cometh to him must believe that he is, believe in his existence, and have an understanding of the spiritual reward system, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I have seen him reward me before by giving me a child where my body could not naturally conceive. So I am sure that if he could give me this reward, there's no other reward that is hard for him to do. And he acted upon it. That's the way faith operates. And that's the faith that we need to be able to properly receive from God. If we say that in these last days, we are going to do big things for God, we are going to shake up our world, we are going to, we are going to change things, we will need faith. If we say that we are going to change our country, if we say that this is a generation that is going to change our country, we need faith and the patience that comes with faith. Because when God was speaking concerning Nigeria, he won't speak in terms of what you understand. He was, God always speaks about the things which be not. So when God is speaking about Nigeria and, and, um, and was speaking about Nigeria and has been speaking about Nigeria through prophecies, he's not speaking based on the Nigeria that he sees now. He's speaking about a Nigeria where righteousness prevails. But that will only happen when we partner with God in faith. Hallelujah. And any area of our lives, any area of your life where you are desiring God for, any area of your life where you are desiring God's word for, the question you always need to ask yourself, do I have faith for this thing I'm trusting God for? Do I have an understanding of what I'm asking God for? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us to read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It was something we talked about last week Wednesday when pastor was preaching about maintaining our innocence, our spiritual innocence. And we talked about the, having the childlike heart, right? In malice, being children. But in understanding, we should be what? In understanding, we should be what? Please help us first. Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. First Corinthians 14, 20. If you read through scriptures, you also find, brethren, be not children in understanding. How be it in malice be children, but in understanding be men. Now, it is, it is the quality of your understanding many times that would determine the sort of assignment that God would would depose to you. Many times you may not have the understanding yet, but God expects that when instruction comes, you pursue knowledge and understanding. 
Many times God will not speak to you based on something you understand. God will not give you an instruction based on an area you have understanding of. But God expects that as the word of the Lord comes to you, as the instruction comes to you, because you understand that, you know that you lack understanding in that regard, you will pursue knowledge and understanding. You will seek knowledge and understanding. You will pursue knowledge. You will know God has called you to ministry. And has called you to do ministry and it, it's, not looking like, it's not looking like it to you. You have seen yourself in dreams. You are laying hands on the sick. The sick are recovering. Maybe you are even in a new sphere of ministry where you even lay hands on inanimate things and they become animate things. And you are asking yourself, how is this thing possible? It is your responsibility to pursue knowledge and understanding. It may not make sense to you. If it always makes sense to you when God speaks to you, then you are not ready to hear from, hear from God. If the only thing is that, if you look at your life, say for the past five years, for example, and you ask yourself, has God ever given me any instruction that upended my theology? That's what happened with, with Peter. Peter had always understood that as far as the gospel is concerned, it's for the Jews. It's black and white. The, white, the Jews are the white, and the Gentiles are the black. That's the way it's supposed to be. When God spoke to him, he turned his philosophy upside down. It was not something that he was used to. You need to be able to ask yourself, what is my ability to receive if you are the kind of person who has destined yourself and programmed yourself to live life on the cool and fast lane? Many times it would be like, when you're hearing about, when people are talking about hearing from God, you'll be asking yourself, why am I not hearing from God? It's because you have been hearing from God, but the way you have been programmed, anything that does not make sense to you, you can't comprehend it. You can't even take out time to say, let me try and understand it. Let me try and pursue it. You wake up from a dream um, and you see yourself in certain places that look futuristic. And because it has never made sense to you, you won't go and do research. You won't go and pray and ask God, what does this mean? What are you trying to say? No, because we are used to the normal. So to be able to hear from God and hear where we must fine tune our antenna, our spiritual antenna by faith, by believing in God, believing in his word, and by understanding, building up our level of knowledge, building up our knowledge base to be able to better hear from God and better understand his will. Hallelujah. 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 And I wrote here that it's very important that we understand that even when God many times is, show, is talking to you in terms of the past, anytime God speaks about the past, it is so that we draw principles and examples for the future. God is not a God about the past. God never speaks about the past. God never, ever speaks about the past. Now, you know when people have that popular dream that they talk about where you say, oh, I saw myself in my secondary school. I saw myself in my, my primary school. I saw myself in my school uniform. God never speaks. No, God, God never dwells in the past, even when he speaks. Because the idea of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's no past, present, future with God, right? Past, present, and future is with man, Right? But when God draws an example about the past, when God came to the children of Israel and said, I'm the, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, I'm the God of Jacob, it was not because Isaac, Jacob, and Abraham were still on earth. It was because, number one, they were still alive, spiritually speaking, like Jesus Christ taught us, they were still alive, spiritually speaking. And secondly, he wanted the children of Israel to be and look at their fathers and act in obedience the way their fathers lived. That's why Isaiah tells you, say, look upon your father, Abraham, and on your mother, Sarah. So, we have to look at the examples of the past to live life for the future. 
So when it seems like you have a revelation about the past, it's a, it's a two-way street. Is this the devil trying to, trying to distract me and draw me back? Is this a dream I should discard? Is this a revelation I should discard? Is this a word of God trying to remind me of something that happened at this stage of my life that I need to take note of? Our proper understanding of scripture will affect how we interpret dreams. It will affect how we interpret prophecies. It will affect how we interpret inward witness. If you are a person who has been hurt in the past, you've been hurt before um, by an experience that maybe someone hurt you, someone did something to you that you haven't gotten over, that naturally speaking was very gruesome and, and, and painful and something that even a natural human being will not want to forgive, right? But then God is, you, know, you have a dream taking you, having... Going back to the past. Many times because God is drawing, your, drawing you to attention about something relating to that incident that you need to either forgive and move forward from because God does not expect us to live in the past. He expects us to draw the examples and then live a better life. That's why Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting what is what? Forgetting what? What is behind? I press forward towards the mark of the high calling. Now, another thing is meekness. Meekness is one very critical way by which we fine-tune our antenna to hear better from God. If you read Proverbs chapter, no, Psalm chapter 25 verse 9. Help us with Psalm 25 verse 9. One of the very instructive scriptures. In case you are wondering and asking yourself, why can I, why am I not hearing from God? Why am I not hearing from God? Psalm 25 verse 9. Thank you, Jesus. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Now, just look at something very interesting. Help us go to um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Now, take note of what you read there. The meek will he guide in judgment, the meek will he teach, show his ways. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for, for they, they shall, shall inherit, inherit the earth. And finally, help us go to Numbers. Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, King James. Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Now, when you read through the scriptures, the scripture says the meek, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The first person we saw lead a group of people to inherit the earth was Moses. Now, you know why that scripture is very interesting? When you, and, that, and that's one of, you know, in the last days, knowledge is the last frontier for the last days. Because in these last days, you are going to, there's going to, there's going to be so much clash for knowledge, spiritual knowledge, where a lot of things will affect our spiritual truth. And that's why you're going to see a rise of atheism, agnosticism, people asking, is there really God? With all the suffering in the world, is there God? Um, I saw someone ask somewhere yesterday that what happened to all our prayers that we have been praying for Nigeria. There are a lot of questions that people are asking. And it's not just about Nigeria. Globally, Nigeria has its challenges, but globally there are challenges. People woke up in Ukraine one day and their neighbor just decided that they want to come and inherit their land. Right? People have their challenges all over the world and questions will be asked, is there really God? People will wonder what are the truths. Is the Bible really a beacon of truth? Should we take the Bible as serious? Now, that's going to be a challenge that we'll have in the last days, right? But the truth is, for us who are Christians and for those of us who will stand and who want to stand, we must understand that God's standard of justice is not the world's standard of justice. 
So if you look at the world and then try to understand God, you, have a, you, have, you run into spiritual crisis. You must always look at God and use God as the glass within, with which you understand the world. And one of those things is in the journey of the children of Israel. People were in their land, dwelling in their land, living in their land, enjoying their lives. They even planted. There was milk and honey in their land because that was the milk and honey children of Israel came to inherit. When the scriptures say you inherit milk and honey, it was not milk and just milk and honey. It was milk and honey that other people planted. You inherit vineyards that you did not plant. Crops that you did not grow. That was, that was God's idea, right? Now, when that instruction was given, by man's standard of justice, that was wicked. Why would God take over people's land? God is the creator of the heaven and the earth. And he decides who he wants to give it to. And that's why he said to Jesus, he said, ask of me. And I will give you your inheritance. I will give you the earth to the utmost part of the earth. That was the instruction. And Abraham had acted on that instruction. And God had ceded the earth to Abraham. And then the children of Israel were only coming to enforce their judgment. You know, I have a client. I had a meeting during the week. I have a client who, whose husband bought land from someone in Bagada a few years ago for 40 million naira. Interestingly, on that, that land, there's been a judgment concerning that land as far back as 2007. He's bought the land for 40 million naira. And now the client has to pay money again to the family who are the real owners of the land by the judgment that they have because they did, she did not know, her family did not know that there was an existing judgment about that land that made that, but transfer title that um, established the title of that land as belonging to someone else. And that family has now come to enforce their judgment. There's a school on the land, but it doesn't matter because they are the owners of the land. They are the lawful owners of the title to the land. And that's the way it operates spiritually. God had given the earth to Abraham. And the children of Israel, it's like what happened in Magodo, what was about to happen in Magodo the other time. The children of Israel were the rightful owners of the land. And God was following them as his, the angel of God was following them as their court belief. And the enforcer and police to enforce that judgment. That any land that God had given to our father Abraham, we take it. And that's what they were going to do. That inheritance could only have been orchestrated through Moses. Was only orchestrated, let them not say could only have been, was orchestrated through Moses. Because Moses was a meek person. It was not Moses and Moses carried people who were stubborn, unbelieving. It was not Moses did not have somebody to say, let's join faith together. No. Moses was literally like the eagle that the children of Israel rested upon for the inheritance of the land that God wanted them to take. And how did Moses accomplish that? Through meekness. And what was the meekness? The ability to come before God and say, God, show me your way. Simple. The ability to understand that God has his own ways and that it is your responsibility as a human being to seek that way and walk in it. So to be able to hear from God, you must be meek. You must be open to understanding God's ways because the people who are open to understanding his ways, that he will show his ways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And finally, peace. Peace. Philippians chapter 4. Peace is one critical way by which we can fine-tune our spiritual antenna to hear from God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Now, peace is for the believer. After you have had faith, right? After you have had faith, in terms of spiritual order. Okay, let's read verse 6 first. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... 
Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Please, can you come again and what? And the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Okay, sorry. Please, let's read another version. Let's read maybe NLT. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So even when you have understanding, but the issue that you are trusting God for, you're waiting for God for a word from, or God has given you a word in, that issue you don't understand it. There is something that exceeds understanding. There's something that exceeds understanding. You know, spiritual things have caliber, right? There's order in the spirit, right? Just the way people have class. Scripture teaches us that, right? Just the way spiritual titles have class. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14 teaches us that, that in the order, right? You have first the apostles, right? Just the way these things have class. It's the same way spiritual virtues have class. And if you were to place peace and understanding on a scale, peace will weigh more than understanding. Because even where you don't have sufficient understanding on that thing God has told you to do, on that thing you are waiting upon God for, peace, peace should rule your heart. You remember we talked about this last week? We talked about this last week. It's not enough to just say, okay, pursue knowledge, pursue understanding. There are things you may never know or initially will never understand. Because like Paul said, we know in part and we what? So, because we know in part, there are some things you will not have a full picture of. But the scripture has called us that in that moment, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know how to act, let the peace of God rule your heart. Not mental peace. Not mental peace. Not, not the peace of your mind that comes from, from yoga and chanting. Not the peace of your mind that comes from your belief that the force is with you or the universe is working in your favor. Not that peace. Let the peace of God rule your heart, rule your mind, garrison your mind, take charge of your mind. So much so that when you are not sure, and that was, that was the understanding with, you know, it's, it's one thing to hear from God and act on God's instruction. But sometimes... Even the manner in which you go about acting on the instruction will show whether you're a person of peace. God's instruction is not, will never be a criteria or a basis for warfare. God's instruction will never be a criteria or a basis for, for acting out of love. No. Because it is the peace that... You know, many, many times when Christians have... And it is not just Christians. When we have issues with people, many times it's usually... Um, many of the disputes we fight are actually transferred aggression, right? We know that, right? Yeah. You know, back then when we were in school, that was the way our parents used to, used to explain to us why we should be very tolerant of our teachers. That you don't know what, they, they always say his wife, no, but let me say the husband. You don't know what her husband did to her that morning that made it so that when she came to school, she was shouting on all of you, right? It's the same excuse we make for our bosses, at work. You don't know what somebody did to them. You don't know what they are going through. And the truth is, as believers, it is our responsibility to always make excuse for people. Yeah. And that's the truth, because people are going through stuff. For you, it is not an excuse. But for others who hurt you, it is their excuse. Yeah. 
We know that, right? Yeah. In law, we say that there are certain principles that you cannot use. You can't use it for attack. But you can use it for defense. So there are certain situations where you cannot raise the issue of a person's character in court. But once the person comes to court and says, my Lord, I could not have committed this crime because I'm a good man. Ah. Then the door has been opened unto you. Go and call all his family members that he has quarreled with to come and show the court how he's a very troublesome and violent person. It's the same way it operates spiritually. We have to find excuses for people even though we can't excuse ourselves for bad behavior. Because that's what, we are, that's what love expects us to do. That's what love, we are called to do by love. And that's the way peace, peace works. If we say that we truly want to hear from God or we truly have heard from God, one of the proofs of it will be peace. The peace in which, peace in terms of how we conduct ourselves, in terms of whether we are worrying or not, and peace with respect to how we deal with our fellow men. Hearing from God or acting upon God's instruction is not a criteria to cause crisis. It's not a criteria to go and hurt people in the name of, after all, God said. Because God is a person of peace. And the fruit of righteousness shall be what? Shall be peace. Shall we stand up on our feet? We've been on this topic of hearing from God for, for a while now. And God has been speaking to us. Can we just first of all lift up our voice to thank God? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, oh God. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for instructing us. Thank you for opening our eyes. Thank you for scriptures. Thank you for scriptures. Thank you for scriptures. Thank you for your spirit that teaches us. Thank you for the fact that I can hear from you. I can hear from you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I can hear. Thank you that I am not deaf. Thank you for spiritual ears. Thank you because you are my father. And you, as my father, you teach me. You instruct me. You show me the way in which I should go. Thank you, Jesus. 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 In Jesus' name we have prayed. Just one prayer you are going to pray. Say, Father, help me. Help my spiritual ability to hear from you, to be continually renewed. You know, you go to, the, when somebody hears and has an ear, hearing pro, an ear problem, sometimes the doctors will say that they have to clean the ears. That's the reason why you remove wax from your ears. And Jesus Christ talked about those who wax has entered into their ears. And these are some of the things that help us to get wax out of our ears through faith through understanding, through meekness of heart, through peace of heart, we're able to renew our ability to hear from God. Shall we pray and say unto God, Father, help me. Help me. Help. Let my hearing be continually be on the renewal. Let it be renewal in my ability to hear from you. Let everything that has constituted a blockade, whether it is doubt, whether it is offense, whether it is anger, everything that has constituted an, 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 a blockade in my ability to hear from you, take it away, oh God. Take it away, oh God. Help me. Cleanse my ears. Cleanse my ears through faith. In that area, you, have, you, are, you, you want to speak to me. But you have already seen afar of that I won't be, I will obey you. Teach me, oh God. Open my eyes. Help me to see things that are beyond me. 
Help me to see things that are beyond me and give me the patience to be able to pursue understanding and knowledge concerning those things. Revelations that are beyond me. Oh, help me, oh God. Help me, oh God. Help me, oh God. Help me, oh God. Help me. Help me, oh God. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Please, I must emphasize that if we do God's will in these last days, and we we'll walk in the path that he has called us to walk in. We must be ready to hear things that are beyond us. You will have instructions that are beyond you. You must be able to have patience to wait on instruction, to hear the full detail. You must be like Daniel. You must be like Abraham. If it means waiting for 10 years to hear the full detail of what God will have you do concerning a matter, concerning your nation, concerning your state, concerning a business aspect, concerning ministry. If you need to keep waiting to hear, please stay in the place of patience. Please stay in the place of patience and faith. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. Click on the link in our bio to be a part of the amazing journey of what God is doing here. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Till next time. Bye.